So my, uh, my first question to us all this morning is this. What is the worst thing you've ever smelt? Careful. What's the worst thing you've ever smelt? And I'll tell you mine whilst you're thinking about it, um, that you can share in a church setting. Um, for me, it is uh, Rachel's Brie. So uh, both Hope and I are never, we're not that, much, we're not a fan of cheese particularly. Uh, and for a side little thought, cheese is not a dessert, if you want to have that debate. Um, but Rachel loves stinky cheese. Uh, so like, uh, we're hoping I would come down before Rachel, she tends to sleep in a little bit, open the fridge, and that puts us right off our breakfast. It's like, <laughs> like seriously, who died in this fridge? Uh, so uh, we've now actually banished the brie, which was slightly more palatable than banishing Rachel. The brie is now in the garage, uh, in a little locked up box in the, in the garage. So uh, worst smell ever for me. It's like stinky brie in the morning. Gross. Uh, what's the worst things you've ever smelled? Careful. What's the worst thing, things you've ever smelled? Brussels sprouts, Brussels sprouts. Do who, who would say, like, Brussels sprouts, bad smells? Brussels sprouts, great smell? Mints. Mints as in uh, minty mints. You don't like them? Oh, that's, that's not bad. Mints, okay. Lucy? Rank smelling socks. I have no idea what you mean. There are no such things in my household. Stephanie, what do you, what's the... Marmite! Wow. Do you know, I, just, I didn't expect this to be so controversial. I thought it was doing well with Brie. Toxic morning wee nappies. Toxic morning wee nappies. Ooh, I remember the days. Yeah, Jem? Bathroom after having a stew. I don't, well, okay, you're right. Um, I just sit yourself down there, love. Um, oh, all right, the back there. A wet dog. I completely agree, um, which gets me into trouble because I know a lot of you are very doggy, but no, wet, wet dogs. I mean, come on, you stink. You stink. Good dog, you stink. One more. Vomit. Vomit. <laughs> right. So, thanks for coming. <laughs> it's been a lovely morning. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh dear, it's quite funny. So I just came in this morning. This is a smell of frankincense, which um, to me smells a bit like mulled wine. So I'm not sure which came first, the chicken or the egg, the frankincense or the mulled wine. But it's quite a nice smell, I think. Uh, some of you might like it, some of you might not. But it helps, to, helps us to think about um, this morning's gift. So um, just to help you think where we're coming from, this is Christmas time. <laughs> Oh, it's like it's a shocker. It's like, really? Really? This is not Easter. This is Christmas. And uh, particularly we're thinking about the three kings or the three wise men or the magi or the three wise people, if you'd prefer, who came and brought gifts of, what did they bring? There were three gifts, three kings. Gifts of? Gold. Gold. And gifts of? Brilliant. And gifts of? Great. You can all go home well done. It's all good. Uh, last week we looked at gold, um, and that represented what about Jesus? What was the symbolism about gold? His. You didn't realise this would be a little test, did you? His. His. Ooh. We've gone gold. His. Ooh. Kingship. Uh, it was his kingship. That's right. Gold was his kingship. Today we're looking at frankincense, uh, and what this symbolises, and what we can learn from that today, and hopefully, possibly, even experience something of God at work in our lives. This morning, frankincense. Um, so the first idea is this, that um, 
There are three ideas this morning, just if you're ticking them off. One, two, three. By the time we get to the third, we're near the end, if that's how you want this to go. So the first thought is this. What does frankincense symbolize? And it's the beginning of uh, frankincense. It's symbolizing the prayers and the worship of the people right from the outset of the people of God. Uh, God asked them to give sacrifices and sacrifices of worship, about literal sacrifices, as the people of God many thousands of years ago uh, started their desert journey with a big tent, um, a whole part of that experience was incense as an offering and as a symbol, as an offering to God. Um, as a slight aside, they used to burn animals as well, which I'm sure smelt really bad. I'm not sure whether that's better or worse than brie or marmite or Brussels sprouts or mince or a big soak in the bath. And probably worse. So I imagine there's this whole experience, which in fact carried through to the temple uh, in Jerusalem in the early days, uh, as the whole people came to worship. They came as a as a um, whole community of millions of people, uh, giving their sacrifices. So the beginning of incense is recognizing that Jesus is the source of our prayers and worship. And the Psalm 141. I think it's a really great way for us to bring this. I'll have to use my actual Bible, which means putting my actual glasses on. I struggle with it. By the way, I do, like, those of you who are glasses wearers, it takes a while to get used to. So like, I put these on, and I can read, I can read this, and then I can't see anything else. <laughs> and I'm not getting very vocals. <laughs> I will not do it. Uh, so Psalm 141 uh, says this. I can now not see you. I can see this. That's not what Psalm 141 says. O Lord, I call to you. This is a psalm of David. God, I call to you. Come quickly to me. Hear my voice when I call you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. I won't continue the psalm, but it's a plea from David in the midst of distress, a prayerful, desperate plea that God would would pull near to him. I'd love you to read the rest of the psalm a little later on, if you're willing. And do we not sometimes want God to pull near to us in those moments of desperation and distress? One or two of you may be going through them now. Incense helps us remember that God does draw near. It's like our prayers are going up to him. It's a tricky thing to understand. It's not very scientific, <laughs> but it's very us. It's very the people of God. We pray. The prayers are lifted. It's like a fragrant offering to him. Because he is God. So these, these magi come along as wise people. I, think, I was trying to think about who would be a good example of wisdom in our modern age. Jordan did come to mind, you're right. That was a good bit of body language there. And then I quickly moved on uh, and couldn't think of anybody else. So um, I'm not quite sure who would be wise. I mean, some of our wise leaders these days leave a little bit to be desired. I'm, I, was, I was struggling, honestly, a little bit um, outside the islands in particular. Um, but can you imagine somebody seeking wisdom? Who would you go to for wisdom in real life? I hope there's one or two in your life. Do you have a, do you have a wise friend or a wise family member? Or are you that person, somebody who, who gives wisdom? Right, okay. I mean, hopefully there's somebody you think, you know, if I need a little bit of wisdom or guidance or advice or counsel, 
there's somebody, they're quite wise. I'll go and have a chat to them. It might not be the word you use, but you think they know what they're doing. I'm going to go and see them. Um, it might be something practical, like um, opening a bank account. You might go and see your bank manager. I'll stay off that one for the minute. It's taken me 39 weeks to open a bank account. I'm not bitter. Uh, wise. Or it might be something personal. If you're trying to work through something in your family, you might go and find somebody who can give you some wise counsel. I am looking for a little bit of body language. You know what I mean by a wise person. Right, good. Uh, so here you have the wisest three people in the world at the time. The people who would have been seen as really experienced, brilliant sources of wisdom and truth. And yet here they are bringing their, their devotion, their adoration their recognition that this baby born in this particular place at this particular time is the source of all wisdom, is the source of all truth, and is there to be worshipped, the source, essentially, or the recipient of all our prayers. And the sticks have now, um, they've now burnt out. So for those of you up there, you can breathe. <laughs> you can now start to breathe. Um, but they represent the prayers because we pray to Jesus. We, I'd love to fix my own problems. You know, I'd like to be the source of my own wisdom. We'll come on to that in a little bit in a minute. But in fact, really, sometimes the only person who can help us is, of course, Jesus. And I love that the wisest people at the time recognize that. He is the source of our devotion. He is the recipient of our sincerity. He's the place where our hearts should go in terms of being grateful for all things. And I think frankincense helps us remember that. Uh, as a, again, a slight aside, I've many asides. I was, I was within a whisker of bringing in an, an incense burning thing from some of the high churches. If you've ever been to a high Anglican church or sometimes a Catholic church, the priest will swing a thing, um, which is called something different than a thing. But it's got, is that? A thurible. A thurible. They'll swing a thurible full of incense. Um, which I was tempted to do. That could have been quite fun, but I just had visions of knocking people out in the front row, so I didn't do that. But there's this idea that between us as a community of God's people, our prayers together, like incense, rise to Jesus, who receives us, as David would ask, I call on you, Lord, our prayers rise. If you find yourself this morning in a place of like, I just want my prayers to rise to God, great. Because he, that's what he is, that's who he is. We don't need to come any other than bringing. The second idea here is one of surrender. Uh, so again, you just think about the most important people in the world at the moment. Um, these wise people surrendered themselves to Jesus. They're dependent on him in a very humble way. This, um, I don't even have Christmas cards still. Do you use actual Christmas cards? A handful. Yeah, good. Val's got a Christmas card list. Rachel's got a Christmas card list. We trimmed it this year. Um, recognizing that some of our friends have left. Uh, there we are. But um, sometimes we get those Christmas cards with the three, the three wise men, and they're nearly always kneeling. Occasionally they're on camels, but often they're kneeling, aren't they, in front of Jesus uh, in the manger. And it's a real sign of how we come to him and kneel. And of course, in this setting, which we'll explore in a minute, we do. And yet, and yet... If we're not careful, we fill up our lives with ourselves. So here's a few ideas for you here. Um, Jesus, as you know, was born in a manger, which, as I imagine, is just a health and safety disaster. Um, I've been doing some work with midwives and therefore going to um, different wards up at the hospital. I've yet to encounter a donkey, 
or a cow or pigs or anything. There's no animals there. I've yet to encounter them. Uh, there's no straw. <laughs> um, there's just, there's no hubbub. It's very clean, you'll be pleased to know. Have you visited the wards recently? It's quite clean and good. I've also been doing some work with um, Guernsey's um, patient safety team. So that's about making sure that we're safe when we're going through some hospital dramas. Hopefully we don't have to, but when we do, it's quite nice to know we're quite safe. It's a little checklist going on. Uh, as well as some, um, something I never thought I'd say, I've been doing some work with gynaecologists. There's a bit of a shocker for those of you that know me well, um, and other doctors as well. And again, I've yet to encounter if I go to, up to the MSG, there's, there's never a donkey or a camel or a sheep or sheeps around. I don't understand it. Can you imagine going to give birth and finding in the corner there's a little menagerie of animals? It would be a little bit strange. And it, got, it kind of got me thinking as well about Joseph, because um, what, what was his career? Can you remember his vocation? He's a carpenter. I'm not entirely sure that carpentry lends itself very well to gynaecology. It's just, I don't know, you know, uh, Mary's there trying to give birth, we're about to give birth, and, and in comes her expert carpenter husband to help. I'm like, well, I'm not sure a chisel is going to do this, really, is it? I don't know. I don't, what do carpenters use? I don't know. I don't know. So this is just a, the, the picture of the manger where Jesus entered our world is, is a complete disaster. And in come the magi, light the fire as well. Just let's put some incense into this mix while we're at it. I just love this scene. It's chaos. Absolutely chaos. It's absolutely everything we wouldn't do. Uh, it's everything that we wouldn't want Jesus to be born into. And yet this is where he comes. He's just, he's just the most humble person you'll ever meet. And it's deliberate. He's the king of glory, as we found out last week. And yet here he is in the midst of this chaotic scene. It's mad. It's madness. Who's coming to visit now? Awesome shepherds. All right. It's just, it's just crazy, isn't it? It's because he's humble. And right in the midst of this idea of um, frankincense being offered or frankincense being burned and the wise people on their knees in surrender, uh, it's recognizing that God... Jesus is, he is God, he is divine. He is the only awesome one. Nobody and nothing else. This is how we choose to, how he chose to came to us. Um, have you ever tempted to say, I am awesome? <laughs> no, I am awesome. I'm awesome. Um, very few people say that, but in fact, we do, if we're not careful, fill our lives with ourselves, if we're not careful. And you might, if I use this phrase, uh, recognize somebody in your life, not in the room, I'm sure. Uh, but they're a bit full of themselves. If you have, you, we use that phrase, don't we? They're a bit full of themselves. Uh, if we're not careful, we can fill our lives with ourselves, if we're not careful. And Jesus asked us to not do that. He says, don't be full of yourself. How can I bring myself into you if you're full of yourself? In other words, if you're pride-filled... Uh, there's no room for him in the inn. Mary and Joseph walking around, um, stumbling, I'd imagine, before Jesus is born. There's literally no room in the guest house, in the inn. There's no place. It was full. It's a lovely picture for us too. If we fit ourselves with ourselves, there's no room for his incense. There's no room for him. So there's a real sense here of surrendering before the, the, the King of Kings, the God of glory, on our knees, recognizing that for all of our good and for all of our achievements, actually it's only and only him 
that truly matters. If we're filling ourselves up with ourselves, there's no more room for him. Pride will ruin us. It's just the most amazing representation of what Jesus is about. Being born in the most humble circumstances, to the wrong person, at the wrong time, in the wrong place, we would say. And yet, that's who he is. Um, so I'm just looking out across the wonderful sea of you. I can see that you are nearly all Instagrammers, aren't you? I know, I can see. Social media geniuses. Instagramming it up now. I'm sure most of you are not. Um, but you know the genre, the idea of like selfies and Instagram and getting followers and so on. Um, so many of the uh, pictures that we see are really well curated, as in they're a bit fake and fixed. Uh, my favourite example is there's a street in New York that um, people quite like to take selfies or little selfie films in. Uh, it's, a, it's a really quite cool place. And somebody once took a photo of all the people taking photos, which I thought was hilarious, because they, they all look great, except they're not really. Uh, or if you're a fan of the lovely family Christmas photo, do you ever get those in? The lovely family Christmas stuff, which might look great, could be quite funny, but normally disguise the truth a little, don't they? We like to try and curate our lives to make, the, make it look good. Jesus is doing the complete opposite. He says, forget all of that. That is a bit useless. Um, come to him humbly and honestly and authentically and openly. You don't need to bring the Instagram version of yourself to him. Please don't. He just says, come, come as you are and surrender to him. And frankincense reminds us of that. He is divine. He is holy. We are not. He makes us so. We'll come on to that in a minute. Hold your thoughts. Uh, I love the idea that Jesus is our friend. You're happy with that idea? Please be happy, yes? Yeah. Jesus is our friend, right? Yeah, we're good for that. He's also God. And there's this sort of friend and. He is, um, he's our bestie. And he is God. He is here to enjoy our company. We enjoy his company. And he is God. The frankincense reminds us he is God. He is holy. I mean, in many ways, he is untouchable. It's his choice that he brings himself to us. We cannot approach him apart from his invitation. Thankfully, he invites us all. He is God. I mean, thank goodness he is God. Thank goodness he is divine. The wise people recognize that. The frankincense reminds us. This morning, it might be, it might just be that some of us need to get on our knees again and remind ourselves that he is God. He is God of my life. He is the divine. Only he can change the things that we might want to see changed. Only he can. And he will, but maybe not in the way that we want. Who knows? But we're going to come and worship him regardless. Our prayers rise. We worship him in surrender. I will go to the manger. Um, I won't go to the palace. We'll come on to Herod in a minute. Where's the, uh, where's the most uh, exciting place you've been invited to recently? Most exciting place? Oh, my goodness. We need, we need some great experiences at Shiloh Church. Most exciting place? Well, that's lovely to hear. That was a nice little feat. Um, maybe, uh, maybe a nice place to eat out, or maybe you've been invited to someone's home that you've been proud to go to. Um, maybe you've been invited to London, or I don't know, something exciting. 
It's unlikely many of us have been invited to... In fact, let me, let me flip this round. Have you been invited to somewhere you'd rather not go? That's a little easier, perhaps, to think about. <laughs> I'm not going to that party. <laughs> uh, got, got, I've got a good friend who's invited to a party uh, this weekend. And they were like, oh, not sure I can get out of this one. Um, do you know, sometimes Jesus invite, invites us to meet him where we'd rather not be. He invites us to the manger where we'd rather not be in a funny way. It's going to be a bit cold, probably a bit smelly, a bit weird. I don't want to go. Uh, he invites us to go there. And he is God. So let's go. Let's surrender ourselves and go where he wants us to go. If you're feeling a little challenged this morning, it's good. We'll have a moment to pray uh, in a moment and ask God to transform our filled lives with ourselves with him instead. A bit like the fragrance of him rising. Third idea is this, that um, the, the aroma of Jesus is in us, and I love this. So um, I do, I'll just imagine this manger scene that I've painted for you again that just smells of Marmite and Brussels sprouts and uh, very stinky wee nappies. That's kind, of, that's kind of the environment that Jesus was born into. Um, and yet he transforms it. I just Mentally, I don't know if this happened, but mentally, um, in my mind, the wise person lit up and smoked up. Um, as in lit, he didn't smoke up. Uh, the frankincense and the incense, right? He lit it so that this quite stinky environment was transformed into something a little bit more palatable. Um, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But that's certainly what Jesus does in our lives and in our world. The stuff that is spiritually, emotionally a bit stinky, a little bit marmitey, a little bit brie in the fridge. <clears throat> Jesus transforms into something much more aromatic, something that he enjoys, something that is uh, nice in the nose, if you like. Not necessarily physically, but certainly emotionally. He doesn't, it's not just him who's divine. He transforms us too, if we allow him to fill our lives. He is holy. You're happy with that? He is holy, of course. He's our friend and he's holy. But he also makes us holy. He holifies us uh, through the fragrance, through his fragrance. And the verse that I'd like to actually read is from 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is Paul talking about the aroma of Christ. He says this, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ amongst those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? We are the aroma of Christ in the world. Isn't that great? Mm. It's quite a nice idea. <laughs> it's quite, it is quite a nice idea. He works in and through us to bring his word to others. Uh, we are his aroma in the world. It's a different way of saying we are salt and light. We are his aroma. We bring the frankincense. It's not just we come together and worship him and remember and pray, but we take this out as well. We are his aroma. And I mean this in a spiritual way, but how do we smell when we're out and about, spiritually, emotionally? How, what are we bringing to them? What are we bringing outside? Are we, are we a source of a fragrant aroma to others, or are we not? Or be something different. I mean, I can't bring myself to even use Paul's words. He, he'll say the smell of life or the smell of death. I mean, that's quite a strong, 
set of words. Because some people receive Jesus willingly and openly and keenly as they hear about him. For others, it's opposite. We have a, a lovely um, example of that. In fact, let me just step out. Has anybody been to a nativity recently with their kids? Have you, have you, or grandkids? Have you seen a nativity? Well, they're coming up, aren't they? Right? So um, the boys can sometimes get given the role of Herod. I quite like Herod in this story. I'm probably more Herod than I'd like to be. And um, what's Herod's response to hearing about the hearing from the wise men? What was his response? Where is the king of the Jews to be born? They ask him. And he says, What? Off you go, you go and find him. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. I mean that like for for Herod, um, Jesus was a source of threat and of death, uh, really. In fact, um, it, I think it's really tragic. Herod engaged his advisors, his wise people, to ask where Jesus was to be born. And they found out where Jesus was going to be born, Bethlehem, they said. Here's the Old Testament prophecies. It says Bethlehem. They didn't say Old Testament. They didn't have an Old and a New then. They had a Testament. The Scriptures say Bethlehem. So rather than be excited, let's go and find Jesus and worship him, Herod made plots to kill the boy. Sometimes as we bring Jesus to others, uh, they'll respond more like Herod. In fact, sometimes so do we. Uh, We run if we're not careful. And yet, the aromatic frankincense offering reminds us that it's God himself who transforms us. Uh, If there's nothing else that's landed with you you this morning, this one really will and must. Uh, We need to be more filled with his fragrance, more filled with his Holy Spirit, um, for our own lives, of course, but to be the fragrance that he asks us to be, to diffuse Jesus. Have you got diffusing sticks in your homes? We diffuse Jesus around. That's what we do. That's what he asks us to do. We're like scented diffusers. Something you didn't expect to hear on a Sunday morning. Spreading him. Spreading, what are we spreading? We're spreading Jesus. We're spreading love in the midst of hate. Uh, We're spreading joy where there is none. We're spreading peace where there is carnage and chaos. That's what he's asking us to do because that's who he is. Where people are full of pride, we spread humility. If we're being, well, you you know where we go. When we encounter anger, do we rise to it or do we bring peace? What flavor are we bringing? What smell are we bringing to the environment that we're in? It will be received differently. The wise people were overjoyed. Herod was not. To live this life of enjoyment and joy, we need more of God in our lives. I'm going to pause here and pray. Perhaps the band can come back up whilst we're doing this. And we'll pray a little by way of response. We're going to pray in three ways. And you can feel free to move if you want to. Um, if you feel that it's good to raise your hands, I'll encourage it. Um, if you want to remove your shoes as a sign of coming to God who's holy, then I'll encourage it. I'm not going to ask you to, but I'll encourage it. Um, if you just feel you want to get on your knees, I'll encourage it. Um, this morning is that idea we're coming to the Holy One who himself makes us holy. So let's pause for, for a few moments and pray. Jesus, at this time of year, it's really easy to think of you as a little baby, which of course you were. But this morning we want to acknowledge that you are God. You are holy. The Holy One. 
And we come to you humbly again. By the power of your spirit, we ask that you would remove all pride from our lives this morning. As we come to you, Lord, we've just prayed you'd make us more holy, more like you. Fill us afresh. We're dependent on you. We're so grateful for you, Lord. We're grateful that you made yourself as accessible as anybody ever could. You have no rank. Anyone can come to the manger, Lord, and we approach you humbly. And maybe this is a moment for you. If you have ambition or hopes or dreams that you know you just need to lay down once again, this is a great time to do it. It's not that Jesus doesn't mind them. He, doesn't, he, he cares about them. And he is God. We surrender again to you, Lord Jesus. We give our all to you again, Lord Jesus. Flood us with your love, we pray this morning. For those that are walking through what feels like hell, Lord, we pray that you would give strength this morning to keep walking. It's a quote from Winston Churchill. If you're going through hell, keep walking. Thank you that you do walk with us. You are literally in the fire as we've sung. And you are, you are here with us when we're going through really tough times. I'm thinking of Psalm 141 and David's prayer, Lord. Draw near Jesus this morning. Bring your fragrance to the situation. Help our hearts to remain faithful and grateful, even in the midst of it. And we trust that you will bring us through. May, may we be surrounded by your fragrance in the distress, Jesus. And for every single one of us here, Lord, we just pray that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that aroma of you, the aroma of Christ Jesus rising in and through us, Lord. And we want to be ignited. An incense stick that's not lit is a little bit pointless, but an incense stick that is lit is great. Light us again, Lord, this morning. Inflame us by your Spirit, your Spirit, that we will diffuse you and spread you and be your aroma, like a beautiful aroma to you, in this world. Help us to respond to you like the wise people with joy and not like Herod, who was jealous and angry. Transform those emotions, Lord, to one of devotion to you. Fill us, Lord Jesus.